Hello, and welcome to A Murderous Affair. My name is Gabrielle, and this is the podcast where I talk about women in history known for mayhem and murder. First things first, I have decent audio today, so yay for that. It's amazing after having had to deal with the audio nightmare that was last episode, I just couldn't get my microphone to work, my normal one, and so I had to make do, and because I was making do, it came out awful. Like, the audio was terrible, and so I hope you guys didn't hate that episode too much because it was talking about Gypsy Rose, and I was really, really excited to talk about her. Those of you guys who listened, I appreciate it, and hopefully this week's audio is much better. I'm excited for today's episode. We're going more into history today and learning about the Liberator of Liberators, aka Manuela Sáenz de Vergara y Espero. And I know my Spanish was absolutely unimpressive there, but hopefully it was still at least passable. I have a whole degree in that language, and yet somehow I still have no accent. It's ridiculous, and I don't know how I accomplished that. Anyway, Manuela was the first lady of Colombia and the sixth first lady of Peru. She was a political activist, a rebel, and an accomplice to Simon Bolivar and also his lover in mid-1800s. Besides her relationship with Bolivar, she was actually able to set up her own rebel network in various women's high society groups, as as well as was just really involved in political activism and rebellion long before her association with him. So she was a really cool lady and let's go ahead and get started. Manuela was born December 27, 1797 in Quito, Ecuador. She was born out of wedlock, which in that time period was of course a big taboo. And her mother, Maria Joaquina Ayasporo, was exiled from her family because of it. On her birth records, she was listed as a found child, which in South America around that time period was pretty common for children who who were either born out of wedlock or were born from various affairs. Her father was a Spanish nobleman, Simon Sáenz de Vergara y Yedera, and he actually ended up being really involved in her life. He used his wealth to ensure her a place at a fancy rich convent. Manuela's mother died sometime in her early childhood, and this is when she began staying full-time at the convent, much to the displeasure of the various people who worked there. Apparently, from what's been managed to be scrounged up about her, most of the accounts of her childhood suggest that she was not happy with the traditional feminine roles that were expected of women during this time period. She was oftentimes critiqued and scolded for dressing like a boy, playing with weapons, and riding horses astride, which is like legs on each side, versus riding side saddle, which was what was expected of women during that time period. Most of the accounts presenting her life tell of a story of her scandalizing elite society. Some, okay, so some accounts say that she was eloping. Some accounts say that she was seduced by this other soldier. It's kind of presented as either or. I feel like with the personal accounts, it would make more sense to elope, but who knows really, because that's the hard thing about history, especially when women's history is hardly well recorded. Anyway, so she ran from the convent in her teens with a young army officer, but that didn't work out, and she attempted to return, but was ostracized and eventually returned home. At this point, her father arranged her marriage to a Dr. James Thorne, who was an English merchant twice her age and attracted because of her quote-unquote famous beauty and the opportunity to basically get his status solidified by marrying into like a local high society. It also basically would give Manuela status as like a member of the elite and give her some amount of power, but she was not interested. She was quoted as calling this whole thing supremely ridiculous, but eventually went through with the marriage anyway. So she married him at 17 and then Thorne took her to Lima and 
this is where she first came into contact with the movement for independence. After she married Thorne, she began being invited into the circle of people who were part of this like social privilege with connections to various political and economic powers. She was able to make friends with Rosita Campusano, who was in a relationship with of Jose San Martin, um, who was someone who had led an independence campaign in Argentina and Chile. And at the time, he was leading the anti-Spanish forces in Peru. So she's starting to use this situation as a way to make friends or at least make allies with those who kind of share her interest politically. Rosita and Manuela shared an interest in politics and as the connection developed, she ended up offering herself in the fight for freedom of Peru and agreed to provide information. So now she's working as a spy and she had to work to this, keep this double life because what she believed was in direct opposition of her husband and her father because they were part of like the European and merchant side and so they felt threatened by the possibility of a revolution. In order to support, she would give information that she heard through the various receptions that she attended. She held meetings in her home for various male and female supporters of independence to meet and conspire with against the Spanish crown. She did have slaves and she also used these slaves to send information to San Martin about what the elite were thinking and planning and basically help him plan for how to best prepare for threats against the revolution. Now, not only did her slaves write messages for her, but they compiled information about the movements of various soldiers and related back to her by talking in the plazas with other slaves and servants of the elite. And even there's an article that's really great. It's on World History Connected Press. Um, that's where I get a lot of this part of information because there's not a lot of information about like pre her relationship with Bolivar. There's not a lot that talks about like what she did. A lot of what is documented is regards to her relationship with him and how she helped him. So this is really a good article that talks about prior to her interaction with Bolivar. Anyway, in this article it says she had access to certain privileged information because of her status as an elite white Creole woman, but she also depended on the help of slaves and without access to their information, her effectiveness would have likely been more limited. Again, this article is great. It really goes into kind of more of the historical side and the play of gender norms and gender roles that affected this whole revolution and the political atmosphere of the time. So if you're interested in that, I definitely would recommend it. She did play an important role and because of that, she was made a member of the Society of Patriotic Ladies and awarded the title of the Order of the Sun, which was basically a medal inscribed with the slogan, quote, to the patriotism of the most sensitive. In 1822, Manuela left her husband and traveled with her father to Quito, which is where the revolution led by Bolivar was having the most conflict. Now, everybody began turning in favor of the pro-independence forces and Manuela decided to throw a party. She was part of the committee that formed a ball to prepare a reception for Bolivar after his victory. It was here at this reception that they met. Now, apparently she was, quote, positioned in one of the balconies watching the parade and throwing flowers to the soldiers as they marched to the reception. When Bolivar passed by, she threw a floral decoration at him which landed directly in his lap. He looked up at her and saluted. At the reception, when Manuela was introduced to Bolivar, he reportedly said, if all my soldiers had your aim, I would have won all the battles. They spent the rest of the night dancing and this was the start of what has become a legendary love affair. Bolivar was well known to be a womanizer. First, it kind of seemed like they were just gonna have this fling. They wrote letters and they were just like scandalizing all the upper high society members because of course, like it was common then for men to have affairs and women 
could have affairs, but they had to do it in a very like hush-hush secret kind of way. And Manuela was not doing that. She was very upfront and like loud about her affair and what she was doing with Bolivar. At one point he left Quito and it was assumed that the relationship there would end. Instead, Manuela went with him. She pursued him and followed him on his campaign. Partially it's thought because of the fact that she had feelings for him and she wanted to be with him, but also because she was really invested in the politics and the revolution and she wanted to be more involved. She had ambition and it's thought that she knew Bolivar would help elevate her in the pursuit of her goals politically, which was a huge scandal because marriage at this point in time was basically the economic foothold for women. You know, a husband had much more rights and power over his wife in this time period and he could sequester her and put her in a convent if he wanted to, if he felt that she was undermining who he was as a man. Ugh. But she did that anyway and so it was very bold of her and kind of gives us more of a glimpse into who she was as a person. So as she followed Bolivar, she began to have a more critical role in his campaign. But she was the official secretary of his personal archive and she basically was responsible and preventing enemy forces from undercovering the military plans he had. It also allowed her to officially be part of the Colombian army and she protected these letters and documents until her death. She had security around even when she was not physically with these documents. Now there's debates on how much she actually participated beyond her role in bringing in intelligence. You know, like that's universally well known that she was basically the spy master. She had information coming in from all sources, from men, from women, from people who could be overlooked. She also would follow the troops and work as a nurse on the battlefield. And she worked as Bolivar's personal nurse as well. There is a military document from a Colombian general who sent a letter to Bolivar describing that Manuela was heroic in her contribution of the battle and detailing how she had organized troops, she had rescued soldiers who had been shot in battle, and she had worked on healing injuries. She was actually nominated to be a colonel of the Colombian Ar army, which was actually followed through with by Bolivar. And there's even other people who say that she was tasked by Bolivar to lead his soldiers through cold and through the Andean mountains. Leading this troop through the Andean mountains was a 950 mile mount trek that saw 700 people die or desert and she was at the battle of Ayacucho which was one of the most important battles in the war for independence. Um, apparently and this is I don't know if this is true or if this is a rumor but she carried around a mustache that she took off a dead enemy and she wore the mustache to masquerade balls which of course terrified people and also is super gross when you think about it. Like how do you how do you keep a, ugh, I don't even want to think about it. How do you keep a mustache together after it's already been like taken off of a corpse? Ugh, anyway. She also apparently had a pet bear. Like she was just the weirdest, coolest person. After this battle, in 1826, she officially began living with Bolivar in his official home. She became recognized by the people as an important intermediary. People would go to find Bolivar and they would go to Manuela first. In September 1828, there was a couple of mutinous officers who attempted to assassinate Bolivar. It was the middle of the night. Bolivar had been woken up by the sound of fighting, but Manuela, who was also in the room with him, told him to leave out of a window while she went to go investigate. She then was able to convince 
convince the intruders that Bolinar was somewhere in the building and like just basically led them on this wild goose chase. She even stopped at one point and was like helping one of the wounded intruders. But eventually these assassins got sick of her and realized that she was playing them and they beat her before leaving and Bolivar lived. This event was what led him to call her Libertadora de Libertadores or the Liberator of Liberators. After this assassination attempt, her role began to be even more into the subterfuge where she would go through and she would identify whether or not officers were actually loyal, whose loyalty was worth it, who was not loyal, who was kind of on the fence and give this information back to Bolivar so that he could make the military campaigns he needed to. And this wasn't the only time that she would go and like save his life from being assassinated. In 1828, she received news that he would be assassinated at a costume party at midnight on the anniversary of his victorious entrance into Bogota. She wrote to him and begged him not to attend the party, but of course he didn't listen because he assumed her motives were based on jealousy because she wasn't invited. Oh uh, yes, you don't actually have knowledge even though you're the spy master and you're the one who's in charge of getting all this information. You're just jealous because I'm going to the party without you. Like, what a stupid thought process. She basically showed up at the party. Honestly, it kind of seemed like she was thinking, all right, you're not listening to me. I'm just gonna show up and save you anyway. So at 11 p.m., she appeared wearing military uniform and she was refused. Like, the guards didn't let her come in. And it turns out this guard was actually one of the conspirators. But his reasoning was, you must be dressed in elegant and feminine attire. So after she couldn't get in, she tried again. She came back dressed as a, quote, old crazy woman in dirty clothes and screamed outside the party, que viva el libertador. Basically, long live the liberator. Bolivar got angry and embarrassed and he left the party to make her stop. And by the time the assassin showed up at midnight, Bolivar was gone. Another way that she helped in the campaign was that when Bolivar's soldiers decided to desert them, she put on men's clothing, rode into the middle of the group, brandished a pistol, and offered them bribes to get them to stop. Around this time period, his big vision of a Grand Colombia had begun to disintegrate. There was a lot more political infighting. Now, in 1830, Bolivar died due to tuberculosis. He actually died in transit to Santa Marta, which kind of left the country in shambles. The territories of what are today now Ecuador, Colombia, and Venezuela separated. And he did not leave Manuela anything, which is just like a huge slap in the face for all that she had done for him. Now, after Bolivar died, Manuela became the next focus of the sentiment against him. She was exiled to Jamaica in 1833 by the Colombian president after she attacked people who were burning effigies of herself and Bolivar. Now, she was able to negotiate a return to Ecuador with the help of Bolivar's allies, but was soon re-expelled by the president who viewed her as, quote, a dangerous subversive. In his decision to exile her, he's said, it is women who most foment the spirit of anarchy. Because of this, Manuela Sáenz must be made to leave the territory of Ecuador. After she was exiled, she then left and went to northern Peru. She was living in the coastal town of Paita and descended into poverty. For the next 25 years, she was a outcast who sold tobacco and translated letters for various whale hunters who would come through and who wrote love letters to people in Latin America. While she was there, interestingly enough, she actually met Herman Melville and Giuseppe Garibaldi. She would later go on to again establish the 
Society of Patriotic Ladies who would go on and conspire against Spanish rule in her years of exile. In 1847, her husband was murdered. And interestingly enough, she had remained married throughout this whole thing. There was letters exchanged between Thorn, her husband, and Manuela. In them, she said, quote, do you believe after being the mistress of this general for seven years with the security of possessing his heart, I could prefer to be the mistress of the fathers, the son, the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Trinity. If I feel anything, it is that you haven't accepted any better your having been deserted. I know very well that nothing can unite we with him under what you would call honor, but do you believe me less honorable for his being my lover and not my husband? I don't live under the social preoccupations invented for mutual torment. Leave me, my dear Englishman. Let's make a deal. In heaven, we'll marry again, but on earth, no. She also at one point wrote in a letter, monotony is reserved to your nation in love for sure, but also in the rest. And then she sent a copy of this letter to Bolivar back when he was still alive. So she remained married throughout this whole thing. Even after he died when he was murdered, she refused the money he left her in his will. She then became supremely injured and lost mobility as the stairs at her home collapsed later on. On November 23rd, 1856, during a diphtheria epidemic, she died. She was buried in a communal mass grave and her belongings were then burned. The items that did survive were the personal letters and artifacts. Now, and those survived because she actually gave them to one of Bolivar's generals, Daniel F. O'Leary. On his deathbed, Bolivar had asked O'Leary to burn the archive of his writings, his plans, everything, but O'Leary disobeyed the order and instead the writing survived and that's what gave historians such information about Bolivar as well as the information that we get from his relationship with Manuela. Right before she died, she actually ended up giving O'Leary her own collections of letters from Bolivar. Later on, she would be interred with Bolivar and on July 5th, 2010, she was given a full state burial in Venezuela. No official remains were found of hers because she had been buried in a mass grave, but there were symbolic remains made which had some soil from the mass grave and they were transported through Peru and Ecuador and Colombia to Venezuela. They were laid in the National Pantheon of Venezuela where Bolivar is also memorialized. And that is the wild story of Manuela Sayens, the liberator of liberators who ended up being a huge aid to Simon Bolivar and saved his life multiple times. I'd love to know what you guys thought of this episode. Um, if you enjoyed it, let me know. You could always find me at Frumius Reads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. And I really, there was so much information about her, which is surprising because I feel like there's not a lot of people who talk about her, but there is a lot of information available. So I'll go ahead and I'll leave the resources I used linked in the description down below. And if you guys liked what I talked about, if you hear anything more, if there's anything I missed, please let me know. I'd love to hear from you. If you like this episode, you can listen to the podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can find A Murderous Affair on Libsyn, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, anywhere and everywhere. If you want to follow me, you can find me at Frumius Reads, F-R-U-M-I-O-U-S-R-E-A-D-S. But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Stay spooky, friends. Goodbye.